The following is offered by Discerning Hearts, a 501c3 nonprofit Catholic apostolate dedicated to spiritual formation through the use of new media. To download this selection, or to browse hundreds of other programs, or to contribute to our mission with a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible, visit our website at discerninghearts.com. Welcome to Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I'm delighted to be joined by Susan Tassoni. Susan has long been a passionate champion for the holy souls in purgatory. She is a best-selling author whose first work, The Way of the Cross for the Holy Souls in Purgatory, has sold more than 70,000 copies. In addition to her many writings on behalf of those in purgatory, she is a popular speaker and guest on radio and TV shows. Susan holds a master's degree in religious education from Loyola University and has had the honor and privilege of being granted two private audiences with Pope John Paul II, who bestowed a special blessing upon her and her ministry for the Holy Souls. We're going inside the pages of Susan Tassoni's book, Praying with the Saints for the Holy Souls in Purgatory, published by Our Sunday Visitor. Susan, I am so excited to have you here. I have always loved your work, but I have to tell you, Praying with the Saints for the Holy Souls in Purgatory, I think is the best thing you've done so far. I don't doubt that it's not the last thing, I'm sure, but it is outstanding. Congratulations. Thanks, Chris. You're not the first person that said that um, uh, my publisher, our Sunny Visitor, and several people that are doing the reviews of the book are saying the same thing, that this is the, the, the jewel, the crown and the jewel, this is the best work. Um, they said this is the new reference book to Purgatory, and it's a it's very humbling, and it's a great honor to be able to do something for our Lord and, and do a work that hopefully will be out there for the next 75 years for the next generation while we're enjoying heaven. Yeah, I, I don't think it gets much better once you combine the saints and the holy souls. I mean, once you do that, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, throughout the centuries, all the great saints understood the importance of praying for the souls in Purgatory, and Throughout all the readings and the research I've done, I, I noticed that he put on their hearts their uh, that uh, the desire to help the holy souls in every way possible. It, you know, it's no wonder the church sees a great mirror in the saints' personal journeys, which included a better understanding of purgatory. And of course, throughout the book, there are firsthand experiences, and it's no wonder that the church encourages us to study their lives and to imitate their lives and discover what purgatory meant for the souls in purgatory, and for, for, you know, for our own faith. We're talking to Susan Tassoni, the author of Praying with the Saints for the Holy Souls in Purgatory. And, of course, this is published by Our Sunday Visitor and has the imprimatur, I should say, by Bishop Darcy in Fort Wayne, South Bend. And it has, I think, some of the best responses to questions about purgatory that you can find. The beauty of, of reading your work, Susan, is that... There's a joyful expectation instead of a dour sadness that sometimes we encounter when we approach the subject of purgatory. Yeah, Chris. I, you know, I've noticed that two people have commented to me about all the books I've done, that, that there's a joy and there's a peace and there, there is. There's an expectation, like waiting for the prize at the, you know, at, at the end of a race. You know, purgatory is a very positive part of our faith, and it's not something we should hide. We, we, the faithful needed to know and to find out that it was okay. And, and these works, which are really works that help the souls in purgatory, that's all I do is something, I won't do anything that's not going to help them. 
but these works allow people to have focus and structure. And, and they were a perfect match at the time when I started. Uh, the Holy Father, uh, John Paul, was encouraging people to pray for the dead. Pope Benedict encourages them now. Actually, by them in, you know, encouraging these things to pray for our dead and saying, repeating them throughout their encyclicals, throughout their papal addresses, uh, throughout their um, the Angeluses, especially during the month of November, it renewed the interest and the focus on purgatory. And they basically, basically, yeah, what's the word? They legitimized it. Mm-hmm. Um, so these books allow the faithful to meet, you know, the wishes of what John Paul was saying about purgatory and, and Benedict. In fact, Chris, Benedict has re- said several things on purgatory. I'm glad that he's only been with us for five years. What I did was is I went and read his, his addresses, his encyclicals, and his homilies on purgatory. They were exquisite, and I extracted everything he said on purgatory and put it in a nine-day novena in the book. People don't get a chance to read about uh, some of the things he said on purgatory, so this gives them an opportunity to see what he said about purgatory in his own works. We never get a chance to hear it on TV and how many people buy uh, you know, the encyclicals and read them through and through, but it was a joy because they were so exquisite, so now we have them in the book and you're, you're able to read and, and share with him, uh, you know, the tenderness and the beauty of this um, consoling doctrine. Now, Susan, it, so often, or at least I grew up learning about the poor souls, and it wasn't until I encountered your work that I started calling them holy souls. Why is there a difference, or are they the same, or how does that work? That is a very good question. In my early days, Chris, I had been asked that question, and so I, I actually wondered what it meant myself. And again, I had the great privilege and honor to be able to have seminary here in, in Chicago that had some of the greatest works on the souls in purgatory than any other place in the country. So I had the beautiful luxury of reading these works. Um, in fact, I learned that most of the works uh, written on purgatory uh, were written by Jesuits, mm. and I had more questions answered about purgatory than I could have ever imagined. So why are they called poor? They're called poor because their greatest poverty is the loss of the sight of God. Once the soul leaves the body, the time of merit is, is up, and so they stand before God, and they behold God in all his glory and in all beauty and in all his goodness, and they're unable to be with him, so they end up in purgatory. So their poverty is at the fact that they saw God and they saw all the goodness of God and they saw all the plans God had for you throughout your whole life and in the love of God, the love that God had for you, it loses that sight in purgatory. So that's the greatest suffering. That's the greatest pain. They feel so drawn toward God that it that the soul finds itself impossible to wish, to seek, to love anything but God. It experiences an insatiable hunger and thirst after God, like a spiritual fever, and they cry out, God, God, I must be with God. That's the soul's constant cry. So their mm-hmm. poverty is seeing God and then being unable to be with Him. Mm-hmm. So it's the loss of the sight of God. Uh, they are called holy because... They are so fortunate be- because they can no longer sin mm. um, and offend God. Uh, so they're holy. 
Well, and that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? I mean, the fact that you wouldn't be able to sin anymore. If you make it to purgatory, you're on your way, aren't you? You're absolutely on your way. Um, you, you, you know, uh, in fact, you know, we're given the grace to avoid purgatory, Chris. It's, it's, it's basically, you know, an insult to God that we uh, end up in purgatory. We have the grace to do it, um, and, uh, you, you know, we, we really need to, you know, and in my book it explains, you know, how we can, uh, how we can avoid purgatory. So, um there's no reason why we can't go straight to heaven, um, and we have all the graces available here on earth to do so. Well, we are saints in the making, all of us, aren't we? We, we absolutely are, and we should take advantage, and again, in my book, it tells you, you know, how do you live, you know, how do you go straight to heaven? And, you know, it's very simple things, Chris. It's, you know, accepting trials and pain. It's avoiding avoid judging others. It's forgiving. It's uh, taking advantage of the... Um, of the indulgence of the church. It's doing the will of God in all things. That's really the number one way to avoid purgatory. If you watch Mother Angelica, it's doing the will of God in all things. True love consists in carrying out God's will. You know, it's avoiding sin at all costs. It's breaking off poor habits. And what helps you, you know, grow in virtue? The sacraments. Going to multi-confession. Going to daily mass. Praying the rosary daily. Praying more and, and chattering left chattering less, I should say, and we need to become those burning bushes of prayer. Um, you know, we need to be alone with God and speak to Him. Uh, we need to say yes to Him, and we're given that grace to say yes or no. Um, we all have our own purgatory here on earth, and the difference is how we choose to embrace it as well. When we offer up our everyday crosses, um, we have a chance to show God that, that we love Him. Again, we're talking to Susan Tassoni about her new book, Praying with the Saints for the Holy Souls in Purgatory is so wonderful because you do, you draw from the saints who had a great love for the holy souls. I was so touched by, by their their life. Um, and they were just like us, Chris. They, they, they're just like us. They had their moments. They've had their days. But, but um, they, had a, they prayed. And then they, they, they were allowed to experience, um, you know, the souls visiting them. There's so many experiences of, you know, of the souls um you know, one of them was, uh, you know, uh, St. Nicholas of Tolentino. Uh, you know, he had, uh, you know, uh, was able to see the soul suffering. And he went to his um, his uh, superior and, and shared the dream that he had of seeing these souls literally pulling at his rosary and begging him for prayers. Again, this, this loss of the sight of God is worse than any other suffering on earth. There's nothing on earth as, 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 as the suffering of the loss of the sight of God. And when he saw this, he went to um, his superior and, and, and said, can we offer a Mass for them? They're, they need the Mass, and the superior allowed him to do that. And, um, you know, thousands of souls were, were released out of purgatory. And to this day, at the Basilica of St. Nicholas of Tolentino in Rome, uh, a Mass for the Dead is celebrated there for the souls in purgatory. Well, it's such an important uh, role that we play in our prayers for them. I mean, as you've said it, I remember excited in the book the story of Saint Perpetua and how it is how she wrote about having the experience of her brother and praying for him and just through it was essentially I don't know if it was an official novena of 9 days but but her constant prayer for him she would one day come to realize that he was freed from purgatory and allowed to experience that that joy of the eternal beatific vision the great honor and privilege, Chris, because um, I learned that we are their only deliverers. 
we alone can free them. Um, and no one else has been given that honor and privilege except us. So it's up to us, you know, to fulfill this obligation um, for the church suffering to help them out of purgatory. They have no one else to go to except us. For whatever reason, God has given us the power to relieve and release them. We are their liberated, we are their deliverers, and they're waiting for us. Um, in fact, other apparitions um, heard Our Lady say, telling these saints, help them. They need your prayers. Um, they needed the Mass. One big one was uh, Pope St. Gregory, and that's one of my favorite. I started the, that, our, the saints section with him. He was an abbot, and he uh, had one of the monks died, and he had 30 Masses offered in a row for this, for this monk. The monk appeared to uh, one of the priests to let uh, him know that he was freed from purgatory through the Mass. And the Mass is the most powerful means to help the souls in purgatory. Um, and so uh, Pope St. Gregory, um, really, he was the one that popularized these 30 sets of Masses that are set in a row for one deceased soul. Um, in fact, Pope St. Gregory had a great devotion for the souls in purgatory. And he was very concerned that no one would help him after he died. And he lamented that um, he wouldn't be able to do anything else for them. And uh, tradition holds that our Lord um, was aware of Pope St. Gregory's concern and spoke to him. And this is what he said. He said, my friend, I want to grant in your favor a privilege that will be unique. All souls in purgatory for whom 30 Masses are offered in your honor and without interruption will immediately be saved, however great may be their debt toward me. And this is a tradition of more than 1,300 years that has been declared a pious and reasonable, reasonable belief of the faithful on the authority of the Roman Curia, again, pointing to the efficacy of the Holy Misses. Now, does 30 Masses, Gregorian Masses, rescue, always rescue a soul from purgatory? It's a practice approved by the Church, but there's no official guarantee. However, it's a custom that both underscores the power of the Mass, and it reminds us that there are souls in purgatory who need our... I strongly urge people to put these Gregorian Masses in your will. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it, it, it's extraordinarily powerful, and to pray for them. I mean, you, you bring out in the book the writings of great doctors of the Church, like Teresa of Avila who had a very important experiences of the, of the Holy Souls united with her prayer and how they really came through for her in a clinch, but also the writings of St. Faustina, St. Catherine of Genoa, who was a big favorite and still is of Father Benedict Rochelle. And I mean, there, there's such wisdom in what the saints have to teach us about a very present reality, and that's of the soul's needs, the Holy Souls' needs for our prayers in purgatory. The stories were incredible, and what I discovered, uh, Chris, I just didn't, quote, write a story. Every single story had a devotion within it, mm -hmm. something that you can do. Uh, and the main devotion, of course, is to offer a Mass for the souls in purgatory. I think it was uh, John Macias, the, the Spanish saint, purgatory saint, I call him. He did three rosaries a day uh, for the souls in purgatory, and on his deathbed, Saint um, uh, John the Evangelist appeared to him and told John Macias that um, because of his three rosaries, uh, he released 1,400,000 souls. And with that, the, the, the skies opened, and those souls rushed down, and they told um, John Macias, we're here to escort you to heaven. Great, they're great intercessors, and they're great escorts. Um, 
So the rosary, why do we pray the rosary for the souls? Because it's richly indulgent. Um, our Sunday visitor asked me to do a, a scriptural rosary for the souls in purgatory and glean out every single purgatory passage and reference um, related to purgatory in a scriptural rosary form. But the main, uh, I think it was uh, St. Dominic, one of the main reasons we pray the rosary, he said, was because of the, the indulgences that are attached to it that help the souls of purgatory. The stations, I did a stations book. Why? Because the stations are richly indulgent. I did a Eucharistic Adoration book. Same reason. They need indulgences. Um, and also keep in mind that you need to be in the state of grace in order to help um, uh, a soul in purgatory. You have to be in the state of grace for, for your prayers to have an effect on them. We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Inside the Pages. You know, Susan, you've encountered those uh, folks who may think, well, this is an old medieval pious type of tradition that really doesn't have a place in today's understanding of the church. And yet, I think when you, when you go back, especially in your book, I mean, you went back and had a conversation with Father Edward McNamara, a noted professor of uh, liturgy at the Regina Apostolorum in the University in Rome. And he, even today, the church continues to teach the importance of offering up masses for not only for those, the holy souls, but for the living as well. Yes, 
I've got that question many times, Chris. I uh, people uh, ask me, you know, um, you know, is the mass more powerful while you're alive than after your death? And I I read and I understood that it was more powerful after your death, but I thought I really wanted more of an explanation. And so I actually wrote Father McNamara and asked him. And he he first of all he said, how can we say that one way of offering a mass is more powerful than another? Um, the answer to that question is is the Mass in itself has the same value of Christ's Paschal Mystery, of which it is, it's the ritual re- representation. Therefore, its bottom line is its value is infinite, and one Mass is not more, quote, powerful than another. However, he goes on to say, and actually, he explained it, and he explained it so eloquently, I just printed it. I, I, there was nothing, I didn't want to touch it, because he went into exquisite detail. But the bottom line is, is, is this, um, you ought to have... Mass has said for yourself while you're alive, for your families, for your nieces, your nephews, your grandchildren. Um, and, and the reason is, is a living person is capable of growing in sanctifying grace. So if a Mass is offered for somebody already in God's grace, it has that effect of, of a gift of increased grace where the person uh, may willingly receive it. They have to be open to respond to the grace, but it is there for them, and they can respond to it. So... Um, and an example um, that that I added toward the end of the letter was, you know, the lesson was is pray for the living now, pray for their eternity. You'll help them and yourself. So it's important to have masses because that mass really translates into a source of actual grace that can either urge a soul to repentance, it can lead someone to a more fervent prayer life, it can enable a person to persevere against the evil one, and it can help um, help us grow an ability to believe in God, in the love of God, in, in, in love of our neighbor. So we have those graces available, whereas when a, uh, a, a deceased person in purgatory only benefits uh, from us helping them, they're no longer capable of performing any new meritorious acts, whereas we are while we're alive. So that's kind of how he describes how it is more powerful for us that we are still able to grow in sanctity, and we, the Mass gives us this grace. But the bottom line is is um, we have to place no voluntary obstacles in the way. We have to respond. So I've done Masses for the living for my family for over seven years, and I, just, and I pray for my family. And I have seen in my own family, out of nowhere, a brother that hadn't been to Mass in 40 years, you know, and it goes, but over these, these past 10 years or 15 years, I've learned about Divine Mercy, I would just chip away at him, chip away, little by little. It says something during trying to get him to do Divine Mercy Sunday. I focused on that for several years, and I did Masses, and one day he just up and went to um, confession and, and participated in that extraordinary grace of Divine Mercy Sunday. Uh, so the bottom line is to pray and to offer Masses. We may, not, we may not see the results, but God sees our effort, and we put the rest in his hands. Well, you really can't call us a Eucharistic people if we don't believe in the power of transformation. Absolutely, you know the the Eucharist is the, is the um, is the summit of our faith. The Eucharist is the most uh, powerful um, uh, act of prayer, and it's the highest form of worship. It really is. I mean, and that's that great heavenly liturgy is what we're all called to participate in, and it, you know that connection between heaven and earth and. And in that place, as the souls are, are waiting to be able to have that, that ultimate encounter with the great cloud of witnesses, that area of purgatory, again, 
you go through in the book outlining what the church teaches specifically. You draw from the catechism and, and the great wisdom of the church down the ages to show that it's not a place that we should just say, oh, that's over there in the corner. We need to make that a part of our reality, just as we yearn for heaven to help those make that passage even quicker. Yes, purgatory, Chris, is a doctrine of our faith, of our faith, and the church is very clear that purgatory exists, and it's a gift of God's love. It's a masterpiece of his mercy. If we didn't have, as, as, um, as I even quoted Benedict, he said, I would go so far as to say, if there was no purgatory, we would have to invent it. For who can say of himself that he was able to stand directly before God? You know, who can say that he's in perfect union with God, that he's perfectly pure? Um, if we didn't have purgatory, where would we go? Um, so really, it's, it's, it's God's mercy that's saying, I know you're not, you know, perfect to stand before me. And I, you, you don't belong in hell, so I'm going to help you out. You know, there's a place where you're just going to purify, um, you know, you're going to be cleansed of purification, so you're able to stand before me. That's what he's saying. So purgatory is a place of great restoration, and purgatory is a loving purgatory, and it's not a purgatory of punishment. It's for purification and healing. Because of our sin and our selfishness, we need purification and we need healing. It's as simple as that. Why do you suppose people have a problem with it? I mean, what is it that repels modern thought? You know, I got a call, um, Chris, last October, and it was from a professor at the University of North Carolina, and um, she was the one that said, um, gave me this honor of being the leading the purgatory movement, and I said, well, you know, what are you talking about? She said, well, what happened is, is that the family, you know, um, one of the problems of of secularism is the, is the loss of important traditions. And, you know, a tradition is handing down of beliefs, of customs from one generation to the next. And, um, you know, she was saying that what was happening is that we were losing um, these customs and traditions that were not being passed down, um, you know, to, to each generation. And it, it really is, um, you know, the church has taught that the parents are the primary educators of their children. And it's in the family that the faith is first transmitted and lived. And she said, there was, there's been a gap. Um, and she says, what's happening, it's lay people, you know, like you and your radio station, us lay people that are coming in to fill the gap of what hasn't been transmitted from uh, one generation to the next. And we need to make these investments for all future generations to ensure peace and, and truth for our all descendants. And, and so I, ha- I, I address that in my book, and it was uh, John Paul that said that we need to bring back devotions. That's what happened. We lost, you know, Catholic uh, devotions of popular piety, and that we need to bring these back. Um, the, the rosary, the stations of the cross, prayer before and after meals, and other devotional practices help form a school of prayer in families and parishes. And it's a rich and beautiful supplement to the sacramental life of Catholics. So we lost this um, this devotion, or this this gap has been opened up, and we need to come back and fill that gap through our own families. And Susan, it occurs to me that not only do we suffer from our lack of appreciation of what purgatory is about, but it causes the souls in that state of purgation, in purgatory, to suffer even more because what they lose is our ability to be able to pray for them, the, the comfort, the 
the love that flows from that prayer, they don't benefit from it. They don't receive it. And it's not only sad, but in a way you have to think, I mean, reason would tell you that who does that benefit? Well, that loss of love, well, the enemy wins on that one. Yeah, that's what happened. It, 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 it part of this, uh, you know, this big gap that um, the church uh, militant doesn't realize that uh, purgatory is a very, uh, part, very positive part of our faith, and it's our doctrine, and it's our responsibility to pray for them. So, as I was saying, it's, it's people like you and the lay movement um, and Mother Angelica, EWTN, Our Lady. In fact, she talked very early on about purgatory. In Fatima, she talked about purgatory. Um, in fact, I learned in Lourdes that purgatory was mentioned of St. Bernadette. To point that it's a doctrine and it still exists, um, and it's up to us to bring it back um, to the forefront and and you know re um, re reintroduce uh, and reintroduce this to um, to the full because yes, the souls are at a great loss uh, because no one's praying for them. Any final thoughts? One thing: it's all about masses, Chris. Um, it's the mass that's the most powerful way uh, to help a soul out of purgatory. Um, and it also helps us to avo- avoid purgatory. So if, if, you know, if you're able to get masses offered, fill up the mass intention books in your parishes. If you're looking for Gregorian masses, um, uh, you can go to spiritualtreasury.com, and uh, we, uh, it's uh, the Franciscan missions at spiritualtreasury.com that can arrange to have Gregorian masses offered for your deceased loved ones. And what's in it for you? Escorts to heaven and intercessors. They become your nearest, your dearest, your sincerest friends. They, uh, they protect you all the days of your life. And when, while they're in purgatory, they can intercede. And when they're at the throne of God, they pray constantly for you until you're safely home in heaven. Oh, I'll take, I'll take all I can get. Are you? God bless you for, for uh, spreading the word. Uh, I, it, we can't do it without you. The church militant, you know, hangs out with the church suffering, who hangs, hangs out with the church triumphant. We all hold hands together to make it to heaven. We've been going inside the pages of Praying with the Saints for the Holy Souls in Purgatory, written by Susan Tassoni. Susan's books can be found at osv.com, the website for Our Sunday Visitor, as well as at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and download this discussion along with many others, go to www.insidethepages.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.